0: Hi, Journey. I'm so glad you're joining us today. We are living in some unprecedented times. There's so many things that are weighing us down uh, from the virus, from controversies, from opinions, from the injustices around us, from the debate of uh, which lives matter the most to the mass fiasco of 2020, from job loss to health concerns uh, to whether we send our children back to school or not. Uh, to the ugliness of the world that we see on Facebook and in retail stores. I don't have all the answers, but I can pull up my Facebook feed and give you a million expert opinions on all of this, for sure. Being right has become more important than simply loving our neighbor. Asserting our personal rights has become more important than simply loving our neighbor. The world is complex for sure, and I'm sure for some of you this morning, it weighs down on you and has been for the last four months. It's just a heaviness that sits on us. And you might be tired of it all, weary from it all. Warning, will it ever end or will, will it ever, if it will ever end? Again, I don't have all the answers, but I do know and I do trust that God is in control. For some of us, that sounds like a cliche. But I think this morning we can learn together that if God wants us to draw near to him, and that we need to take a time out and be reminded of how awesome and amazing God is in our lives. And he desires deeply to draw near to us. Uh, For me and my family, it's been a strange four months mixed with a lot of emotions. Um, Humanity, uh, which, which the word tells us, has let us down a lot. The way people act, the way people talk, treat one another. God has challenged my thinking in a lot of these areas. I spent a lot of time uh, drawing encouragement from reading the Psalms, and I want to take us through one this morning. I believe God wants us to draw near to Him in these days like never before. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 145. There's probably no book that we are more familiar with in the Old Testament than the book of Psalms. They're quoted often in the New Testament. They're quoted often in hymns. In choruses, we sing them. Martin Luther called them the book of all saints. There's primarily two types of psalms. There's the praise psalms, and it's, God, you're awesome. And then there's the lament psalms, where we say, God, please help us. And even though the psalms are quite diverse all the way through, um, the main theme I think you can find throughout his pages is that God is king, be reminded today that He is still on the throne. He is in control. He is sovereign control of everything. Nothing surprises Him. And He is worthy of all our praise. Which brings us specifically to our psalm today. Psalm 145 is a song of praise to God the King. It's actually a Hebrew alphabetic um, uh, acrostic psalm. The psalmist spends most of his time talking about the attributes of God and describing him as an earthly leader an earthly king in charge and then he makes a bold statement at the end about drawing near and staying close to God and about how some of that action is dependent upon us and what steps and decisions we take in life to do that so if you'll read with me we'll start in Psalm 145 verse 1 I exalt you my God and King and praise your name forever and ever I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell his children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all His creation. All your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps His promises. He is gracious in all He does. I want you to notice here as we're reading through these list of attributes of God, how great He is. His greatness cannot be grasped. He is greater than than any virus. He's greater than any news article we're reading right now. He's greater than all the culmination of the negativity in the world. We are to proclaim those mighty acts. Notice in verse 4 that we are to tell our children about His mighty acts. Let me ask you for just a moment. Think about your life this past week. How much time was spent proclaiming God's mighty acts to your family, to your co-workers, uh, to your social media audience? Or how much was venting or complaining? We've got to reclaim the conversation. Our talk is to be seasoned with salt. We, we need to be a blessing to the world around us. And remind them of how great God is. You see His power, His mighty acts, His majestic, glorious splendor, His wonderful miracles, wonderful goodness, His righteousness, His mercy, His compassion the glory of His kingdom, His mighty deeds. He's everlasting. He's gracious. He keeps His promises. He helps the fallen. He lifts those bent beneath their loads. He sustains us. He satisfies us. He's motivated and filled with kindness. The title of my sermon this morning is To Draw Near to God. We do that through prayer, through Bible reading, through other believers, through our time at church. We need to think of the world less and less. And we need to think of God more and more. As you draw near to God, you begin to see just how amazing he really is. The problem is we get so easily distracted, we become numb. We say, I know all those things about God. But are they real in your life? We become so distracted to how amazing he is. We don't live in the reality of what we just read. And that's the problem. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Ken mentioned in his message about cell phone distraction. And it's so true. So much of our lives are eaten up with the times that we spend posting on social media or arguing about something or playing a game of Candy Crush or binge-watching a show on Netflix for 12 hours. In the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Coma writes that we spend 10,000 hours playing video games by the age of 21. Average Americans spend 705 hours a year on social media and 2,737 hours a year on watching TV. And that's increased drastically since Netflix came out with all the binge watching. How we spend our time is how we spend our lives. Now, I'm not advocating for no technology in our lives, just a balance. We need to spend more time in prayer and reading God's Word so we might draw near to Him. What would our lives look like if we took just one hour a day instead of spending mindless time playing a game or, or posting and debating stuff on Facebook and actually spent it in God's Word and communing and drawing near to Him and, and as you do that, you see how amazing God is. When you begin to date someone or get to know someone, the way that relationship progresses, the way that relationship gets deeper through time, The the way that relationship um, furthers down the road from dating to marriage is through spending time together. I'm still learning things about my wife. There's things about her that still amaze me and her love for people and her family and for God. The way I get to know that on an intimate basis is to spend time with her. As you draw near to God, you begin to see the amazing things about Him. That only happens. It only becomes real becomes more than theory and, and something you learn as a checklist of, oh, yeah, God has these things. Those attitudes become real in your life as you spend more time with him and draw near to him. Also, as you draw near to God, you see how many resources he has given us to live this life for him. He just doesn't call us out as his child. He doesn't just save us and, all right, we'll see you in heaven. Have a nice life. He gives us everything we need this side of heaven for life, and for pleasing Him. Psalm 145, starting back in verse 14. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything He does. He is filled with kindness. We were on vacation recently, and the condo was a washing machine. And as I passed by, I stopped, because this washing machine was not one like I'd never seen before. It was a technological marvel. There was like 10 knobs with 15 to 20 functions for each knob. I was way past my expertise. I am, it's cold, it's full, this large load start. My wife was in heaven. She knew how to utilize it completely, everything about it. Understand my point here. If your relationship with God is just on a surface level or just an intellectual pursuit, you're going to miss out on so much. You're going to miss out on the authentic originality of a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You miss out on so much that he has given you to live this life, almost like a toolbox, so to speak, when you become a Christian. He helps those who have fallen, those who have bent beneath their loads. I mean, a lot of people lately who they are just tired, they're just weary, they're tired of all of this, and they're just they're bent. The load's gotten heavy, and they're wondering where's the end of all this. But we serve a God who's given us every resource needed to live in this world, even now, to still have joy, to still live a life that's pleasing to Him. He's given us every resource we need to overcome fear and doubt, everything we need. The, the verses we just read says he continually shows compassion to us. In the Hebrew, that's an ongoing action. It does not stop. It's ongoing. It's giving. It's opening doors to satisfy our needs. And it's also according to our desires. We have a say in these things. If you ever been at a theme park on a very hot day, like Six Flags for instance, I look for, in between the rides, those mist fans that just you stand in front of them and they just blow the cold water on you. It's refreshing. But if you're far, far away from those mist fans, you can barely feel them. The effectiveness of the quality of those mist fans are how close I am to relation to them. Hear my point here. It's the same thing in relation with God. There's so many resources at our disposal to take on that complex, crazy life that we're living out there to help make those decisions about what to do with our children, where to go, do I wear a mask, do I not do this? And they're found in here. The principles of love your neighbor, the principles of putting others first, the principles of speaking kindness to others. They're all in here on how to live that life. You only begin to exercise them or begin to know them deeply as you continually as a discipline draw near to God. As you draw near to God, you get to see just how many resources he has given us to live this life for him. As you also draw near to God, you see how he comforts us in our time of need. Let's pick up back up in our text in verse 18. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. I want to read that again. That's kind of our theme verse for this message this morning. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. We can find comfort in all kinds of places, people, and things. We can numb the business and the hurriedness in all different ways. But nothing compares to the deep abiding comfort that comes From relationship with Christ and the comfort that God offers. We're facing all kinds of trials right now, all kinds of tribulations, and things can feel down. I want to remind you this morning that God is here to comfort us. Christianity is not about emotions or feeling close to God. Do we experience emotions? Absolutely. Do we at times feel close to God? Definitely. But it's not based just on those subjective feelings. It's grounded in the timeless work of God, timeless work of Scripture, the Word of Scripture, and in the work of Jesus Christ and who He is. Some of us rely too heavily on how we feel. And if you're dependent upon what's going on in the world and the news and the challenges around us to dictate how you feel, you're going to be in trouble for a very long time. I encourage you to draw close to God. He brings the comfort that we need. He brings us the reset. He brings us the, the mindset to say, you know what? we're going to live differently today. We're going to live differently in the midst of all that's going around us. When we draw near to God based on the truth of who He is and not just how we feel, there are times we're not going to feel the comfort, but it's still there. My wife and I have triplets, Cole, Carter, and Camden. Many of you have met them or seen them running around. Uh, They're usually very loud on Wednesday nights. Um, My wife and I are very thankful for Miss Jen. She's the children's pastor here at Journey. Her and her team of leaders love our children well and we're so thankful for the grace that they show us and loving on our kids but the triplets were born 10 weeks premature um they were in NICU for about seven and a half weeks and when they were first born they weighed a little over three pounds each and they would fit in the palm of my hand just right past it um and Carter when he first started out had a rough time Um, He's worked hard day and night to just breathe. And uh, he was hooked up and all through hooked up to all kinds of machines and wires and tubes. And uh, one night at four in the morning, about a week into um, after their birth, I get a call from the doctor at four in the morning asking can they do a spinal tap on Carter. The next day as we rushed back up there, we watched seven different NICU nurses uh, poke Carter over 20 times throughout his body, trying to find a spot for an IV line. Um, There was one moment a few days later where he stopped breathing completely. And there's nothing like watching your son stop breathing. His lips turn blue, his fingers turn blue, his toes turn blue. They're doing the little compressions. They're using the oxygen pump on him. In those moments, there are scary moments for us as as parents. You as parents have many scary moments you've gone through. Each one of us could sit here and tell a story of, of something in our life that was just beyond what we could grasp or understand in the moment. Uh, Carter came through that. Uh, He's—you'll see him running around here in the days ahead. Um, he has grown up to be a strong, healthy seven-year-old. In that moment, God comforted Lisa and I in ways that I can't describe. At the core of who we are, we clung to the promises of Scripture. We clung to these attributes we've been talking about this morning, and we all can um, look and find things that could comfort us when we're stressed, when we're in unbelievable situations. But I'm telling you that God is the only authentic, real one that can really see us through those things. My wife and I clung to those promises, and we still do today. As you draw near to God, you get to see how he comforts us in our time of need. Also, as you draw near to God, you see how he empowers us to defeat sin in our lives. And that's the whole point of all of this, isn't it? Adam and Eve and God were walking intimately in the garden together when things were perfect before the fall. They were in relationship. God was enjoying sharing his creation with Adam and Eve and discussing things with them and, and doing what relationships do, communing together. And then Adam and Eve made the selfish choice to do what they wanted to do and sin entered into this world and we, the fall took place and that separation between being close to God and being far from God took place. And that's the whole point of this great, amazing love letter from from Genesis to Revelation. We see God doing everything to restore us back into that closeness. That's the point of salvation. That's the point of sending His Son Jesus to be born and to live a perfect life and to die a brutal, atoning death on the cross and to be resurrected three days later is that we might, through faith in that work and in Jesus Christ, find a way back into a relationship with with God, the Father, through His Son, Jesus. That's the whole point of it, is that sin broke it, and Jesus in His death restored it. This relationship, this closeness, this intimacy with God. James chapter 4, 7 through 10 reads, So humble yourselves before God, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. God does so much for us. Whether it's salvation, justification, sanctification, regeneration, all the great theological terms in the Bible, they're all a works of God. They're not dependent upon us. He's done it. They're not things we can do ourselves. But this verse makes a bold statement. If we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. God isn't going to do everything for you. Just like in any strong relationship, both parties must be willing to join together in fellowship. God's done His part. Spend quality time with one another. God's there, willing and able. Be willing to communicate. God has communicated over and over and over throughout history, through His Word, through His Son, through the church. He is always willing and able, but we must do our part and take time to take steps toward Him. When We make simple choices in life. When we say, I want to do what I want to do, I want my rights to be asserted. I want my way to be done. I want to be the king of my life. When we make those decisions and we let them play out in our life, we're telling God we do not want him and all that he brings to us. We don't want that relationship. We destroy the close connection with God. I'm not talking about losing the connection, but the quality of of that connection with God suffers. The intimacy of the relationship, the quality of the relationship suffers. God is desiring closeness with you today. So whatever sin, whatever pride, and pride's the root of most, if not all, sin, that I am right and everyone else is wrong, whatever sin you're struggling with is not too big for you to come close to God today. He gives grace to the humble. Let him forgive you. Let him cleanse you of it. He wants people to see Jesus in you, his son in you, the character of Jesus in us, how you respond to your family, to your co-workers, to the fast food worker, And on and on. How do you respond to people on Facebook? What you type matters is a reflection of your heart. The harshness of it. The opinionated nature of it. Does it reflect the character of God? As you draw near to God, you see how he empowers us to defeat sin in our lives. The selfishness in our lives. Also, as you draw near to God, the more we can be tuned in to him, his desires, his thoughts, his way of living. You you really begin to understand what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Your citizenship above all citizenships is the one that's in the kingdom of God, and it overrides all others. The closer you get to God, the more he begins to wear off on you. What we give influence and time to in our lives will show who we are becoming. God wants you to become more like Him and His character every day. For that to happen, we must draw near to Him and spend time with Him consistently. We must draw near to the heart of God, learn from the heart of God, and allow that to be applied into our lives. We must make time for Him. He must be a priority. The triplets, like I said earlier, were in NICU for about seven and a half weeks. Some hard days and some hard weeks. We were there every day loving on our boys, doing what we can. About three weeks, in, three weeks in on Father's Day, the lead doctor pulled up a chair beside me and asked if I would like to put all three boys, unhook them all, and do something called kangaroo care. And that's where a skin-on-skin contact, they put all three inside my shirt against my chest, and I was like, absolutely. So there's this moment, I have this picture at home where I've got all three boys sitting inside my shirt, um, and I was able to do that for about five to 10 minutes, and it was glorious. Um, as a dad to just love on them and hug on them. The doctor, as they were putting them back up and plugging them all back in, he asked me, have you noticed that when your wife does that, she does it for much longer? I said, yeah, she goes go 20, 30 minutes. He said, do you want to know why? I said, yeah, what's that about? He said, because when a child is born and is out of the womb, the mother is the one who can regulate, especially if the closer the child gets to them and the skin on skin, the nearer the child is, can regulate their temperature and their heart rate. The skin on skin being near each other. Same way with God. The closer we get to Him, the minute we make a decision that says today, I want to spend time with you, God. I want to spend time reading your word. I want to spend time in prayer. 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. The more that we get closer to Him, the more he begins to regulate our life. He begins to set the tone for our life, the direction of our life. He begins to stabilize our life. All of that as you draw nearer to him. The closer we get, the more our lives begin to be regulated by him in step, in line with his way of living. So I ask you this morning, does God seem far from you today? Are you just worn out and tired by everything going on? Draw near to him. As you draw near to him, you'll see just how amazing he is. How forgiving, how kind, how compassionate, how merciful. Continual, just a flood. Come on, come on, come on, never dries up. You see how many resources he's given us to live this life. To take on the obstacles, the negativity, and all the problems around us. You see how he comforts us in our time of need. And some of you may be here listening today, and you have some heavy burdens and loads you're carrying. God is there to comfort you. As you draw near to him, you see how he empowers us to defeat the sin, the addictions, the mistakes, everything in life that tears us away from him. And as you draw near to him, you see how more we can be tuned into him, his desires, his thoughts, his way of living. I want to close this last illustration. It was was powerful to me, for me. I hope it is for you as well. During COVID-19, I worked from home and the boys came home from school mid-March and I had to put on the hat of learning how to facilitate the rest of their first grade year of education. And I was some challenges, but we had some great teachers um, at Bethlehem Elementary School that helped us walk through it all. And I'm so thankful for our teachers and the staff and what they do and the sacrifice they've had to make. But uh, part of our day, uh, we live in a subdivision where the mailboxes are in the middle of the subdivision and uh, we have to walk to it, it's not in the front of the house. But as part of PE, uh, we had this long path that we uh, carved out. Uh, It was good exercise for me and got the boys, got some energy out. Uh, We'd walk to the mailbox. This would consist though of a lot of yelling, if I'm being honest. Uh, Telling the boys, don't touch that. Stay on the sidewalk, get out of their yard. Don't Don't smell that, don't lick that. If you're a parent of boys, you know what I mean just constant. Um, don't, don't pick up that trash. We don't know where that's been. Um, just constant. So especially Camden and Carter. They're curious. They're that age. Cole, um, most days would just walk right beside me. Um, I didn't think much about it. But about a month into this, a couple months into this, uh, I got through yelling at Carter and Camden. They were way ahead of us again. Don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't lick that. Don't smell that. And Cole reaches into my hand with his little hand and grabs it. And he says, Daddy, do you know why I walk close to you every day? And I said, no, why? Tell me. He goes, because when I am walking close to you, I do not get in trouble. Let that sink in for a moment. Wisdom from a seven-year-old. Staying in a close relationship, drawing near to God, can save you from so much trouble and anxiety in life. The Life itself will throw us enough trouble. Other people, the world. But if we stay close to God during these days, um, the trouble that we would bring ourselves um, wouldn't happen. Cole then goes on to say, uh, a couple more reasons why he liked to walk with me. And I know one day this will change. And believe me, as a, as a father, I am uh, just uh, soaking this up right now. But he said, Daddy, I just simply like being near you. And I just love you so much. May we simply have that attitude when we draw near to God. The attitude of a seven-year-old Cole. Not because we have to or because it's what we're taught we're supposed to do, or it's churchy, but it's simply because we love our Lord and Savior Jesus. Change your outlook from I have to read my Bible, I've got to go to church, I've got to pray, to an outlook that I get to do these things. Draw near to God today and His Word promise you, He will draw near to you. God, the universe, wants to get closer to you. Will you let Him? Today, commit to taking a step toward him. He is waiting. Will you draw near to him? Let us pray. Father God, we're so thankful for your word today. Lord, we're thankful for this psalm and and the writer just describing how great and wonderful and amazing you are. Lord, may that be real to us. That timeless truth of who you are, may we experience it, whether we feel it or not daily in our life, Lord. I pray for those who are listening, who are watching, Lord, that if they're numb, if they're tired, if they're bent down by the heavy load of all that's going around them, Lord, may they silence all those things. Lord, may they turn to you right now. May they refocus their thoughts, their mind, their hearts on you. Lord, may you encourage them this day. May you remind them that you are on the throne, that you are in control that you have a plan bigger than all this, that you are there with them to comfort them in their time of need, that you've given them everything they need to live this life for you right now and to live it in victory and to live it fully grounded in your truth. That, Lord, that you are there to empower them. They don't have to live defeated lives struggling in their sin, Lord. And for those who are here today, I pray for them if they're dealing with something Uh, just a hold in their life, an addiction, of sin, that, Lord, they will turn to you and ask for forgiveness right now. And that they will experience what that forgiveness means in their life. And, Lord, I pray that as we press in, from the oldest to the youngest, from the one who's been walking with you the longest, the one who maybe just got saved, as we press into you and draw near to you, Lord, that we become more like you in our character, become more like you in your character and how we react and how we live to those around us. Lord, help us, Lord, to show Jesus to the world around us on Facebook, at the store, at work, and at home. Lord, help us. Lord, we're going to hold you to your promise. We're going to draw near to you and watch as you draw near to us. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.